<clears throat> so when I was in Bible college a couple weeks ago, um, there, there, was an inc- there was an incredibly popular animated series that, that featured two stars, two stars. One was a tomato named Bob, and the other was a cucumber named Larry. <laughs> Anybody remember that show? <laughs> All the laughter, I, I know you do. What was it called? Wow, there are a lot of VeggieTale fans in, in this room. For those of you who missed out on this deeply moving uh, viewing experience, in, in this show, Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber, uh, along with several of their fruit and vegetable friends, like my favorites, Junior Asparagus, he's awesome. Much nicer than the older asparagus, the Archibald. And, and my favorite is Paw Grape. Paw Grape, he was the best. But together, together these, these vegetables, they, they, they would tell stories from the Bible in their own unique way and teach important life lessons from a, from a biblical worldview. And this show was not only popular with, with young children... It was even popular with, with teenagers. When I worked with youth groups, they would ask me, can we watch a VeggieTales video? And it was also popular with many adults as well. Um, <laughs> take a look at that throwback. <laughs> you recognize those guys? So on the left there, that's Pastor Glenn with his Larry the Cucumber shirt, and the guy on the right, wow, that guy in the Bob the Tomato shirt is me. This is before the Great Recession. Um, so this is, this is before where is my hairbrush became became, we should have swapped shirts is what I'm thinking here. Um, but uh, yeah, that was taken, I believe, somewhere around 1999 to 2001 at a baptism. Um, yeah. You may be wondering, what on earth does VeggieTales have to do with the story of Martha and Mary? And if you're wondering that, good for you. That's... <laughs> That's good discernment on your part. But this week as I was studying, there, there was a song that kept playing over and, and over in my head as I was thinking about just how distracted and how busy Martha was. There was a song that kept running through my head, and the song is called Busy, Busy. Some of you are already now, you're singing it in, in your own heads. It's from an episode titled, Are You My Neighbor? Are You My Neighbor? Which is the VeggieTales retelling of the story of the Good Samaritan. That's the story that we looked at last week. And since I missed the opportunity last week to talk about VeggieTales, I've decided to do it this morning. See, Larry the Cucumber 
in that story. It's hard to say even say this without a smile on your face, right? Larry the cucumber. <laughs> he gets robbed. He's, he's going down the road. He gets robbed. And, and after they take his milk money, they, they stick him upside down in a hole. And he's like wiggling up and <laughs> upside down in, in, in this hole. And when the first two people come along, they find Larry there upside down. He's in need. And, and like the priest... And, and like the Levite in our story last week, both of these people passed by. They, they, they did not st- stop to help their neighbor in need. They, they gave an excuse. Do you remember the excuse? They were busy, busy, dreadfully busy. You've no idea what we have to do. Busy, busy, shockingly busy, much, much too busy for you. Of course, they didn't say it, they sang it, because we're busy, busy, frightfully busy, more than a bumblebee, more than an ant. Busy, busy, horribly busy. We'd love to help, but we can't. And they walked away. And as my son said this week when I was talking about it, he said, they were too busy to help, but not too busy to stop and sing a a, a song (laughs) with each other. Busyness can be a real problem, can't it? It can get in the way of our relationships with others, and it can become an excuse for why we don't love our neighbors as ourselves, and it can even get in the way of our relationship with God. Sometimes, even as followers of Jesus, we can become so busy, busy, frightfully busy, even doing good things that we neglect the most important thing, our relationship with the Lord. We can become so distracted, you know, doing good things for Jesus that we actually neglect to spend time with Jesus. Can you relate to that? There are times when, when, when sadly, we chase after what is good at the expense of what is best. One more thing before we you know, jump in and take a closer look at this story. Sometimes, sometimes, I believe, unfortunately, this story about Martha and Mary, <clears throat> it's, it's presented as a sort of you know, an, an either-or proposition, that, that you need to choose whether you're going to be a worshiper like Mary or a worker like Martha. Have you heard it presented that way? And that's really unfortunate. It's unfortunate for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, because I believe that it's, it's a mischaracterization of both of these women. Uh, as, as though Mary wasn't a server, as though she never served, right? And as though Martha wasn't a worshiper. When we read this text, we see that Martha loved the Lord. She calls him Lord, and she means it. They, they were both, I believe, the, the, the picture that we get of, of Martha and Mary in the Gospels here is that they both loved and they both served the Lord. And this is a, this is, but it is a picture of a, of a sort of a, 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 hmm, a, a weak spot for Martha. This, this is not her finest moment per se, right? 
Um, aren't you glad that your f- less fine moments aren't <laughs> recorded in Scripture for all, for all generations to read? That's one of the things I love about the Bible, though, don't you? The fact that it doesn't paint its heroes as perfect. And we can relate to Martha. We can relate to Mary. But the second reason why I think it's unfortunate, and more importantly, is that that type of approach to this story misses the very point of the passage. This story is not about choosing one or the other, right? The story, as Kent Hughes writes, the story of Martha and Mary is actually about the necessity of the priority of the word of God in a life of active service for the master. In other words, our service for the Lord needs to flow out of our relationship with the Lord. And what I love about this this story of Martha and Mary is the way that Jesus highlights the priority of spending time with him, the priority of listening to his words and spending time in his presence. I love that about this story. So let's take a closer look. Luke Luke says in verse 38, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now Luke doesn't actually tell us what village this was, but we do know from John's gospel in John chapter 11 and in John chapter 12 that Martha, Mary, and their, their brother Lazarus, the, the, the same Lazarus that Jesus is going to raise from the dead, they all lived in the town of Bethany. It's a small village located just a couple of miles east of Jerusalem on the other side of the Mount of Olives. Now, last Sunday, after the service, someone joked with me uh, about being disappointed that I had not included a map for the message on the Good Samaritan. They, they missed it. They, they liked the video walking along the path, but they're like, what about the map? And I just want to go on record as saying how much joy that brought me, that, that there are people who love maps as much as I do. So, you in the back, here you go. Here you go. (laughs) On this map, I have highlighted both the locations from last week with Jerusalem and Jericho, and it's a 15 to 17 mile journey between there along the Wadi Kilt Path where we took that video that you saw last week. Um, But I've also included there, as you can see, the village of Bethany where our story takes place today. Now, when when we read the Bible, and we think about, you know, Jesus' closest friends. Uh, typically, typically, we're going to think first of the, the 12 disciples, right? I mean, Jesus spent a lot of time with these guys, and particularly three of them, right? We, we often think of them as the, being the ones he was closest to, Peter, James, John. But isn't it interesting? Jesus had, he had other friends as well. He had other friends. And these two sisters, Martha Mary, along with their brother Lazarus, were some of Jesus' best friends. In John chapter 11, verse 5, John tells us, now Jesus loved Martha 
and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them. I mean, he loves everyone, right? But there, there's something of, of a kindred spirit between Jesus and, and these three siblings. They were like family to Jesus. And so when Jesus would, would come to Jerusalem, this was like his home away from home. Just like when you and I have friends over, like you have friends who travel from all over the country, whatever, they come and they visit and they stay with you. What do you do? You stay up late, you're drinking coffee and tea much later than you should be, and you're telling stories and what's been going on in your life and what's been going on in our You share these stories together. And I picture Jesus going to, to Martha, Mary, and Lazarus' house, and, and, and they're swapping stories. Like, Jesus, hey, we've been hearing all kinds of stories coming down to Jerusalem from what's going on up in Galilee. Whoa, what? Somebody, somebody said you fed like 5,000 people with like just a few fish and some loaves. Like, tell us about that. Like, how did you do? What? That's crazy. You know, and, and, and so they're, they're swapping stories and, and, and visiting. Like, these are friends. These are deep, deep friends uh, of Jesus. But this wasn't just a great place for Jesus to stay and to catch up with some of his deepest and dearest friends. It was also an ideal location for Jesus to be able to go in and out of the city. Again, if you look at the map on the screen there, you'll notice the, the close proximity of Bethany to Jerusalem, just a, just a couple of miles uh, to walk over the Mount of Olives and into the city. It's close enough for Jesus to be able to, to have access to go to the temple, to minister to the people, but also close enough that he could retreat and get away from the crowds in the city. And so Jesus and his followers, they arrive in Bethany, and, and like a good host, Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. Now, Luke doesn't tell us whether it's just Jesus or, or maybe, maybe some of his disciples were there with him. It's possible that, that Martha welcomed Jesus and, and several of his disciples to stay there with him. Or it's possible that, that because of the, that, the hospitality that was expected in, in, in that culture, it's quite possible that as they arrived in Bethany that his followers all spread out and they found accommodations of their own. But Jesus stayed at Martha's house. And by the way, because Luke refers to this home as being Martha's house, most Bible commentators agree that Martha is probably the older of the two sisters. And how many of you are old, the oldest sibling? Oldest all right, so you get this. So Martha, like a good older sibling, is about to express some serious frustrations about her younger, more carefree sister, Mary. Anybody can relate to that? No. All right. Some of you, it's just the opposite, right? The younger is super responsible. I'm hearing a no, a strong no down in the front here from a younger sibling. So... Yeah, all right. Verse 39, it says, And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Let's stop there for a moment. 
as best we can, because it's, there's not a ton of detail here, right? So as best we can, I do want to try to paint uh, a picture of this scene and, and the rising tension that is unfolding here. here. Here's what we know. We know that, that Martha was busy with much serving, it says. Now, what that serving entailed, the text doesn't actually say. A lot of times when I hear this story, it said, yeah, she was busy cooking the meal. It doesn't say that. It doesn't. Now, could she have been cooking a meal? Absolutely. Definitely, as a host, you might prepare a meal for a guest who's been traveling, right? Maybe she was busy making preparations for a meal. Maybe she was cooking the meal. Maybe, maybe she was busy cleaning up after a meal, right? Maybe she was busy, you know, cleaning up the guest quarters and preparing beds for those who were going to be staying there. Maybe she was doing all of these things and more. That's actually what I picture. It's not like, oh, I went out and started cooking and like, why aren't you helping me? No, I I have a picture here of her. She's been busy, busy, busy with all kinds of things as a good host. Maybe she was just busy making sure that everybody else had everything that they need. Can you relate to that? As soon as she finishes one thing, she moves to another. She's like, oh, your water cup is empty. And she's filling up a water cup, right? And she's just busy, busy, busy looking out for everyone else. Martha is a doer. She is a doer. She has eyes to see what needs to get done. And she's not the type of person that's going to sit around and wait for someone else to do it. How many of you can relate to Martha? How many of you know a Martha? (laughs) Don't elbow the person next to you. Maybe that Martha someone is you, right? That's not a bad thing. If you're a Martha, that's not a badge of shame. It's not. We need Martha's, don't we? Nothing would get done without Martha's. If everybody was the free spirit type, nothing would get done, right? Some of us probably need to have a little more Martha in us. Agreed? All of the Marthas are going, yes, yes, yes. We should all have eyes that are just open to the needs around us, looking for ways that we can serve, especially the Lord, right? But also serve our neighbors, serve our family. We should all have eyes to see this. And all of us are called to be hospitable. Do you know that? You're called to be hospitable. You're like, I don't like people. (laughs) It's going to be harder for you. If you're not a people person, this is harder for you. But... Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's no longer a command, right? Romans chapter 12, verse 13, Paul says that we are to contribute to the needs of the saints and seek, seek, seek to show hospitality. Literally looking, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I show hospitality to 
the saints. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, I love this. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Isn't that a crazy thought? Isn't that crazy? That, that in serving a stranger, you, could, you might be actually serving an angel. What? Wow. First Peter chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, Peter says that we are to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Oh. Why those two words? Really? It's not enough to say, I did it. I served him. Right? We have to do it with the right heart. You know, it's possible. You know, you think about who wrote that. Peter wrote that. Maybe Peter was present at, at Martha's house that day. Maybe he was thinking about Martha when he wrote this. He's like, show hospitality without grumbling, Martha. <laughs> Just saying. Verse 10, he continues, he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. There is nothing, nothing wrong with being hospitable. There's nothing wrong. We're, we're commanded to be hospitable. There's nothing wrong with, with having a heart to serve, right? Jesus had a heart to serve, right? Who served more than Jesus? Answer, no one, right? He came to serve. He said, that's why I came. So what, what, is, what is going on in this story? Why is Martha so upset? To answer that question, we need to talk for a moment about her sister, Mary. You see, Luke tells us that while Martha is busy with much serving, her sister, Mary, is where? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's listening, he says, to his teaching. Now, in that culture, for someone to sit at the feet of a rabbi was a way of saying that they were sitting under the teaching of that rabbi. To, to sit at the feet of a teacher was to assume the position of a learner, of, of a disciple. In Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 22, as Paul was defending himself to the Jews, this is what he says. He says that he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, or Gamaliel, or Gamaliel. I'm not sure how you say his name. But Gamaliel was, was a well-respected rabbi in the first century Judaism. And Paul says that, hey, 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 I'm a Jew of Jews. I was educated, a student at the feet of Gamaliel. I was a disciple of Gamaliel. That's something, folks, right? That's what he's saying to the people. He listened and he studied at Gamaliel's feet. So when Luke says that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, Mary was assuming a position as a learner, as a disciple of Jesus. But you have to understand that in that culture, rabbis did not invite or even allow women to sit at their feet. They didn't allow it. This is a total break from cultural norms. Most rabbis, we talked about this earlier in the series, 
most rabbis would avoid even talking with a woman, much less welcoming them as a disciple, allowing them to sit at their feet to learn. But as we've already talked about in our study, Jesus was not afraid to go against the grain, was he? No. He intentionally welcomed and invited and even elevated women in a culture that held them in very low regard. He had conversations with women. Remember, we talked about the story when he he met with the woman at the well in Samaria, right? And and it says his disciples were like confused because he was talking with a woman. They didn't understand. Like people, rabbis don't do this, Jesus. And he said, well, this rabbi does. This rabbi does. He taught them, he welcomed them, and he even invited them to come and be his followers. They they traveled with Jesus and and the other disciples, ministering in in town to town. We read about that in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. So as Jesus was teaching here in Martha's home, Mary sat at his feet and listened to his teaching. Other translations say that Mary was listening to his word. Mary, she recognizes the incredible privilege, the incredible opportunity that is right in front of her. I mean, think about it for a second. Jesus, the son of God, the long-awaited Messiah is in their home. Martha, you can keep serving all you want, but I am not going to miss this opportunity, okay? I'm going to go and I'm going to sit. She, she's hungry, right? She wants to focus on every word that Jesus is saying. She's hungry to learn. She's, she's hungry to understand. She is not going to miss this opportunity. Mary is an incredible example for all of us, right? Every one of us in this room, every one of us. She's, she's setting an example of the, of the type of hunger that each of us should have for God's word, to hear the words of God. But do we recognize, I mean, do we recognize what an incredible privilege an opportunity we have in our hands. Man, I mean, like, many of us have multiple copies of this, right? Large print, small print. I have a lot more large print these days. Red letter editions, black letter editions, leather bound, hard bound, paperback bound, right? We've got multiple translations. Some of you are super smart and you have it in different languages, right? I know some of you read it in Spanish or French or uh, I know one of our students is trying to read it in Greek and in and, and, and Hebrew and wow, we've got so much access to God's word that I think sometimes we fail to recognize what an incredible privilege and opportunity we have to hear from the God of the universe by reading his word. What we need is a hunger to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to God's word, to learn, to study, 
to grow in our understanding of who he is and, and, and how he desires for us to live our lives as, as his followers. That's why I asked the greeters to, to pass out that Bible reading plan as you came in this morning. Again, if you've already got a plan that's working for you, great. But listen, if you do not already have a, a practice, if, you don't, if it's not part of your daily routine to spend time with God, man, that, that needs to end today. And he said, not, not, not like, oh, I feel so guilty. No, you want to have a heart like Mary that says, I need this. I want this. I want to grow. I want to know God. I want to know Jesus. I can't stress enough how important this, the, the, the daily habit and practice uh, of spending time in, in prayer spending time in the word, reading, and spending time in his presence, how important that is for your growth. You need it. You need it. We all do. We need to listen to him as he, as he speaks to us through his word. And so Mary, you know, she's, she's, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's, she's listening to his words. Oh, what a moment. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Son of God sitting in your living room, teaching. There she is. Meanwhile, Martha, it says, was what? Distracted with much serving. And the word that's used here for distracted, it literally means to be dragged or pulled away. She was dragged or pulled away. What is she being dragged and pulled away from? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was being dragged and pulled away from being at the feet of Jesus. She, she would rather, she'd rather be where Mary is but she feels pulled away by all of her serving. And again, as I, as I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with serving, right? Certainly nothing wrong with, with serving Jesus. But what Martha is doing here is she's prioritizing her service of Jesus over sitting with Jesus. Martha was suffering from mis placed priorities. As Warren Wiersbe says, what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. What we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. Brothers and sisters, our service for Christ needs to flow out of our relationship with Christ. And it's through, it's through our time with Christ, sitting in his presence, praying, studying his word, that we are then empowered for service, service to God and service to others. Now, over and over again, we've seen this in our study of Luke. We've seen the priority that Jesus himself placed on getting alone with his father. We've seen that, right, over and over again. Luke chapter five, we read that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
And if Jesus needed to do that, I mean, seriously, how much more do we? But instead of taking a break, instead of, instead of you know, hitting the pause button for a minute, uh, mitten, for a minute, putting the oven mitts down, that's what I meant to say. Martha, she, she just, she continued to serve, serve, serve. And all the while, her frustration continues to build, build, build until finally she can't stand it anymore. You know, you, you know that as she was serving, 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 and Mar- Mary's sitting there listening, 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 you know that she was walking by giving her like dirty looks like, you know, she, she was casting glares, daggers at her sister. And finally, like, it gets to the point where, like, she's not catching the hint, right? So Martha pauses her work for a moment. She goes up to Jesus, either maybe during a break in his teaching. Maybe it was like the five-minute break when they released the children to Sunday school. I don't know. But either during a break or possibly, possibly even interrupting his teaching. And she says, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? <laughs> I'm all alone. Tell her then to help me. Whew, Martha. I feel bad for her, I really do. I mean, but there's this thing. There's this thing that, that can easily happen to us if we're not careful. If we're not careful. We can become so focused on serving Christ that we actually lose sight of Christ. Just think about what she's just done. She's just burst in. She just made an accusation against Jesus. Don't you even care? He is Jesus. (laughs) As Chuck Swindoll says, Martha's problem was that she was paying so much attention to the preparations for her guests, she stopped paying attention to the guest. We can become so focused on on all the things that we're doing, trying to do for Jesus, that we actually lose sight of Jesus. I can tell you, that doesn't get easier the more engaged you get in full-time ministry, you find this happening a lot more. And one of the ways that we can tell, one of the ways that we can pick up on the fact that maybe this is happening is by evaluating the way that we respond to what's going on around us. When we find ourselves worrying more and more about what other people are or are not doing, and we begin to feel less and less joy in our service, it may just be that we are losing sight of Jesus. It might be an indicator that that we, what we really need is to stop for a moment and spend some time with Jesus, to sit in his presence, to be fueled for the service that he has called us 
to, to, to allow him to, to say, yes, I have called you to this, or no, you took that on. I didn't ask you to do that. But you got to stop. You got to spend time with Jesus. Because I believe that when our work for Jesus flows out of our worship of Jesus, our work becomes an act of worship. I'm convinced of it. The answer isn't to say, well, I'm just not going to work anymore. The answer is to, is, is to spend time in his presence and do the things that he's been calling you to do. Then, no matter what the people around you are doing, you're like, yeah, but I know that this is what I'm called to do. And I'm going to keep doing it as an act of worship to my king. But, but in total frustration, total frustration, Martha accuses Jesus of not caring. She says, Lord, don't you care? And the implication, of course, is that obviously he doesn't. That's what she's implying. Obviously, you don't care. Otherwise, you would have told Mary to help me. So do it. <laughs> so do it. Tell her to help me. Martha is convinced that she not only knows what she's supposed to be doing, she also knows what Mary's supposed to be doing, and now she knows what Jesus is supposed to be doing. Yeah, I get it. Okay, yo, oh, you're the son of God. Yeah, I get it. But tell her to get to work, okay? Because you, you need to. Now, before we look at, at Jesus' response, I just, I want to point out, I want to point out that, that it is entirely possible. It is entirely possible. I would actually, I would even go so far as to say is I believe it's probable that Mary had already helped her sister in some of the serving and some of the preparations. I have a really hard time picturing Mary just like, oh, Jesus is here, see ya, and not helping with any part of it, any part of it. I, I don't think that's what happened. I don't. But I do think that she got to a point, wherever it was, before the meal, during the meal, after the meal, I, she got to a point somewhere in, in Jesus' stay where Jesus is sitting down and Jesus is teaching, and Mary says, I'm done with cleaning up dishes. I'm done with making beds. I'm done with cleaning the... I, I, he's teaching. The Son of God is in our house teaching. That's where I want to be. That's, what I'm gonna, that's where I'm going to be, Right? She left the serving in order to sit at the feet of Jesus. I find that to be far more probable. But either way, either way, let's say, let's say for a moment that she didn't help with any of the serving. If you look at how Jesus responds, he still says that she did the right thing. So how about that? In verse 41, Luke says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The first two words that, that come out of Jesus' mouth was her name, Martha, Martha. Now, we don't have time to, to do this, but if you were to, to do a study, maybe, maybe this week, 
Do a study of all the examples in Scripture where a person's name or their title is repeated in this manner. Martha, Martha. What you're going to discover is that this is a way of expressing a deep connection with someone. It's an expression of, of intimacy, of, of, of care, concern. It's a way of saying, we really know each other. We really know each other. God, God spoke this way. You look it up this week. He spoke this way to Abraham at the point where he was about to sacrifice his son. Remember that story? He said it to Moses. He said it to Jacob. Jesus spoke this way to Peter, right? He spoke it to Martha, but he also spoke it over, over Jerusalem. Remember that one? As, as he's coming into the city, he weeps, right? And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And as Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, my God, my God. We're told that one day some will say, Lord, Lord, as a way of saying, we know each other, right, Lord? Didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do that in your name? And what does Jesus say? Oh, you can say, Lord, Lord, depart from me. I never knew you. Just to say you have intimacy doesn't mean you really do have intimacy with the Lord. But Jesus rather than blasting Martha for her rudeness. Like he could have said, Martha, you're being rude. I'm teaching right now. That's just not, it's not Jesus, is it? Jesus, instead of blasting her, he speaks to her in a comforting way. He says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious. You're troubled about many things. See, with, with compassion in his voice, he says, Martha, I see you. I see you, Martha. I, I see that you're worried. I see that you, you're, you're, all, you're all worked up, Martha. You, you got a million things going in your mind. Like, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this, right? Martha, I see you. you you're troubled about many things. But Martha, one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. One thing. I can't help but think of Psalm 27. One thing have I desired of the Lord, right? And that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord to inquire in His temple, to behold His beauty. Psalm 27, oh, it's a beautiful psalm. One thing Paul talked about one thing I do, one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and pressing on towards what's ahead, right? Jesus says one thing is necessary. One thing that's, that's, that's it's more important than all of these other things that have you all worked up and, and stressed out. And what is the one thing? What is it to be in his presence, right? It's the thing that Mary has chosen. Jesus says, that's the good portion, Martha. And it's not gonna be taken away from her. I'm not gonna take 
Mary away from this. This is the best possible thing that she could be doing. Martha, Martha. Oh, in all of your busyness trying to serve me, you've lost sight of the most important thing, spending time with me. If you just think about, too, at this point in his ministry, Jesus is making his way towards Jerusalem. This is nearing the end of his life. He says, that what we need right now, Martha, is to spend some time together. And the text doesn't tell us what happened next. So this is not scripture, okay? This is not scripture. But my guess, my guess is that with, with tears in her eyes, because you know what that's like when you've been at that point, you're just so frazzled, you've been working so hard, da, 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 and then finally you get to that breaking point and you realize that God says, enough. My guess is that with tears in her eyes, Martha stopped what she was doing and she joined her sister Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. Brothers and sisters, my, my, my prayer for you and for me is that our relationship with Jesus would be the highest priority in our lives. That we would take time to, to, to sit quietly in his presence, you know, talking with him in prayer, listening to Jesus as he speaks to us through his word by, by the spirit speaking to our hearts. I am confident, I am confident that if our time with Jesus remains our highest priority, then our service for Jesus will remain in its proper place. I believe that. As we sit in his presence and, 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 and we, we spend time with him, connecting with him and, and hearing his heart for us and for our lives and what he's calling us to, he's gonna, he's gonna fill us. And he's going to empower us for the service that he has called us to. Not the service that you think you're called to, but the service that he has called you to. By the way, that doesn't mean you'll be less busy. But something will change, won't it? When you come out of those times with the Lord and you're like, I know that this is what I'm called to do. It's amazing how it changes your perspective and you stop worrying about what people around you are doing because you're like, I know what I'm called to do and I'm gonna do it as unto the Lord. It's a great place to be. Let me close with these words. These were written by Charles Wesley in a hymn I've never heard. The hymn title is, Lo, I Come With Joy To Do. Here's what he wrote. Lo, I come with joy to do the master's blessed will. Him in outward works pursue and serve his pleasure still. Faithful to my Lord's commands, I still would choose the better part to serve with careful Martha's hands and loving Mary's heart. See, we, it's not about choosing this or this, it's serving with the heart of Mary, right? We're not called to choose 
sitting and soaking in, in the, the monastic life, like don't ever serve anymore, just go lock yourself away and just sit in the presence of Jesus from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Jesus would be like, no, that's a total waste. I want you to get to work. We got work to do. And he goes with us into that work. We want to have the heart of Mary longing to spend time in his presence from which we'll be empowered to go out and serve as he has called us to. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Wow, thank you that we, we like Mary, she sat in your presence and listened to the words coming out of your mouth, but we, we have your word in our hands. And we have this incredible privilege and opportunity to spend time in your presence, talking with you, listening to you, growing in our understanding of who you are and what your plans are for our life. And God, I pray that we would be filled with a hunger like Mary, and I pray that you would also give us a heart to serve like her sister Martha. God, we pray that through all of, all of it that you would be glorified in and through our lives. We pray this in the powerful name of your son Jesus, our Savior. Amen.